0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. Cole and I are unfortunately without our buddy AJ today. He, uh, what I'm assuming is, was procrastination led him to having to <laughs> to having to uh, work on a school project tonight. So. All right, we'll do so for those of you in the comments section of the who watched the videos. Um, we, we, we intend to switch camera angles so you can see us better. That's like one of the most common themes. You guys should use more camera angles. <laughs> it's like you only watch the
1: episode that didn't have AJ <laughs> Right.
0: so this to be just this one. Uh, when AJ's one here shot. to press his
1: buttons, then we can use it for camera angles. Exactly, you remember school projects? Yeah, I try to forget about block them. Them. Yeah, that. Yeah, that out because. I
0: mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not against the working on certain projects, things like that. I was that.
1: gonna say I do projects all the time now, but I, I don't feel nearly the contempt that I did about a school group type of project. Yeah, in well, my workplace, because
0: like you're getting paid for that. Or if it's something you want to work on, then it's more fun. Whereas like school is like, hey, here's the thing you have to do. Right. Even if you hate it, too bad. True. Not it's related to
1: arbitrary grade. Most of what you were doing at the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I, I, think, I think that's kind of my attitude towards a lot of. My memories of school because I feel like whenever I uh, it was like it, like like learning just things in general. I love you know looking into stuff and researching topics and whatnot. But when I have to do it on somebody else's schedule and yeah. somebody, somebody else, else tells you tells you to do me it, which topics I have to and do, you don't get to
1: choose on your own. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a little bit less yeah. uh, enthusiasm it's, on my part.
1: It's just a rebellious attitude. <laughs> yeah, that's probably out. all it is.
0: It's just stuff I didn't get out of my system when I was like eleven. <laughs> so. Uh, anyways, so uh, this t- this episode is going to be uh, one of our a little bit more laid back episodes, not accredited or anything like that. Um, and uh, we are going to be discussing a study that came out not too long ago. Um, at the time of the recording of this, anyway, uh, three days ago. Yes. So um, hot off the press. Hot off the press. That's how we like to do it. And I don't know that we've actually even talked about this drug. Really, at all. you Maybe. have
1: definitely mentioned the name of the drug. Okay, so probably briefly, it, we've said one or two sentences about it, but we have not done any sort of in-depth review. We did uh, cholesterol at some point in the not too distant past, and I'm sure it came up there, but probably not to any great extent. So anyway, the
0: drug's called Torvastat. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. You may, you may,
1: not have, heard you this may one. have heard of it. You um, may have
0: heard of it. Actually, one of my uh, a buddy of mine's um, asked if I talked to his. Uh, his mother about um atorvastatin that she was just prescribed mm-hmm. and um i haven't talked to his mom in like years but mm-hmm. i called her the other day and i was I, she She said hey uh so i got prescribed this drug called lipitor have you ever heard of that I said, yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> i sure have
1: <laughs> number one selling drug yeah
0: it was funny i was like i don't she the couple of things that she brought up she's like i don't know if you've ever heard of this but and she brought say something it's very
1: routine mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and i was like i don't think you know what i do <laughs> for a living <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh-oh. Well, if it's new to them, then, um, Maybe. you know, this, I mean, if something's foreign to me and I've just now heard of it and then I go, this is how I feel when it comes to like, I don't know, getting things fixed around my house. Like my, my heater goes out and I've got to have somebody come and fix it. And I'm like, yeah, I think there's something wrong with like the dampers. Do you know what the dampers are? Like, you know, the yeah. guy who, my, the technician is probably like, you're an idiot. Of I'm going to go yeah. and fix it, but I have no idea what's going on.
0: It's going to take them and 10 minutes to to fix it and to pay him a whole bunch of money for his knowledge
1: when my fridge went out i i literally paid the guy it was i it was kind of expedited and so i think it was 150 dollars to get him to come out and he went behind the fridge and he was back there for i kid you not 35 seconds and he came back around and that... said can't be fixed <laughs> 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 pay me <Heck> please yeah. <laughs> i was Perfect. like you gotta be kidding me yeah
0: unfortunately i've done i've, I've exhausted all <laughs> of my options in do. 35 seconds it's i'll take my 500 dollars, please golly so, anyways, we haven't even said the name of the drug yet. We're going to be talking about bambidoic acid, um, yeah. Nexlatol. And uh, it's one of those newer kind of first-in-class medications. So, as, as Cole was saying, I think we may have mentioned it, but we really haven't uh, gone into it. And, in fact, if we did mention it in the dyslipidemia it's an episode that we did not too long ago, I probably mentioned the, the study that we're going to talk about today because it was still pending at that point. It was. So, um, the clear outcomes trial is is their cardiovascular outcomes study that just got published mm-hmm. in New England Journal of Medicine on March 4th and uh, we're going to kind of run through the drug itself and then we'll look and see the if, you know this study's worth our our time and if this is a potentially another actual treatment option.
1: Yeah. Interesting that a drug like this I don't know in my opinion wouldn't have had a, a cardiovascular outcomes trial like to be approved but all it needed to show was that it could Lower, lower LDL, limits, lower LDL, well, and I that's what got
0: it. I feel like most. I mean, if you think about like even the the, the SGLT2s, the GLP ones that we always talk about, as far as outcome, like none of them had the outcome data when they first got. They just had for to cardiovascular. Be, yeah, but then they didn't really have any outcome with with diabetes, diabetes yeah, either, yeah, as true. far as like just it lowered A one C. Cool. Right. Well, that's a good point. That's yeah. So I think that's I, good point. I guess it's one of those things you probably have to get it out in the in the market first, and then have the funding to do those extra studies right, right. but uh and the hope is if the study doesn't go well then it's been on the market for yeah. a couple of years it's already so approved. It's probably, that's
1: probably a strategic you're thing you're not going to well. take it off you yeah. know maybe they could sweep the press release under the rug a little right. bit. just kind of like mention
0: it as a blip on the yeah on the uh stockholder meetings yeah <laughs> uh,
1: another news also uh, uh this
0: drug sucks drugs you know, as far actually as actually work. preventing heart, heart but it will lower ldl so you can take that for what it's worth <laughs> yeah. All right, so bimidoc acid um, is, as of now, approved for um, adjunct therapy to diet and maximally tolerated statin therapy um, for adults that either have heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia or established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease who require additional uh, lowering of their LDL. So, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, ASCVD established or, you know, if they have a genetic familial hypercholesterolemia, but that's something that uh, I think, especially with some of these newer studies coming out, I wouldn't be surprised if you see um, it being approved for patients with cardiovascular risk that, you know, maybe have... Uh, like these certain risk factors and they're on a statin or maybe even this by itself without a statin. Cause yeah. now that's the other
1: we'll, we'll, talk about we'll that get into in the study. Cause they did definitely include high risk patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did definitely include a lot of patients without statins actually lower proportion had statins. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Very interesting. But, um, but as far as, Oh, go ahead. I was just
0: going to mention the mechanism real quick because yeah. it is first in class. So adenosine triphosphate citrate lyase. Um, it's abbreviated acl um, it's an inhibitor of that particular enzyme which it's so it's going to basically lower ldl um, by essentially um, inhibiting the cholesterol synthesis in the liver and so it's um, working it's an upstream enzyme from the uh, the, the, the hmg coa reductase that we typically think of with statins mm-hmm. so it's it's shutting down some of the ldl production upstream so that as it gets to uh, the HMG-CoA reductase. There's, I guess, less for the statin to have to do in the first place. Right. So kind of interesting. But it uh, works in
1: that same kind of cascade, which is interesting. And it's the only one that's anywhere related to a statin as far as mechanism of action goes, right? I mean, the other ones are totally different than, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as, like, you know, shutting down an enzyme in that pathway or what have you, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting drug. Yeah. Um sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off really. What were you gonna say?
1: No, yeah, I was just gonna talk a little bit about the mechanism. Um, but I will say that it's um so he said it's branded as Nexlatol. There is a combo product called NexlaZet, uh, which is uh, combines combined acid combined with a So we'll talk a little bit about kind of how we feel about maybe which one's better than the other in certain situations, blah blah blah, based on at least this study. Um there aren't any um dosage adjustments with um Renal impairments, if it's above 30 milliliters per minute, below that, not really much data. In stage renal disease, not really much data. Um, and severe hepatic impairment, we don't really have uh, too much data either. But the adverse effects of this one are kind of interesting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. This is very... I would, I would say uh, definitely took me by surprise a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: not really, not really related at all to statin adverse effects, which I should mention, one... Re, so statins and part of what we'll talk about with the study obviously are known for their, um, muscle aches and pains. And that's a big reason why uh, people can not tolerate it. So this one kind of acts on a similar cascade to statins, but it's a prodrug that's metabolized in the liver. And so it doesn't get kind of disseminated throughout the muscles before it ends up in its location of action, which is in the liver. So that's why they presumed as they were making it, that it would be lower risk for those sorts of side effects. And it appears so. So that's not really an issue with bimbidoic acid.
0: Well, I guess it depends on which side effects. There there was the risk of muscle spasms, and um, there's the study we're going to look at we had some cases of rhabdo as well, I, I believe.
1: I should say less of um, a risk. I yeah, so definitely no
0: less of a risk. But um, th- there's some additional... So, like, side effects that were kind of out of left field a little bit. I guess from a mechanism standpoint, maybe it'd make a little bit more sense. But um, and, and just to circle back real quick about that uh, the renal dose adjustment, it's, it's interesting because, like, in the package insert, it doesn't actually say, like, contraindicated or anything like that. It just says that it doesn't give any renal dose adjustments based on limited data. So, it, it doesn't really have, like, a cutoff as far as when you can start this, yeah. which is kind of weird it's um, yeah it's weird I, I guess you wouldn't want to start it in somebody less than 30 because you, you, don't know, know gonna you don't know what's gonna happen but at the same time it's like they didn't really actually Look say out. anything about that yeah or, or i mean it probably any be
1: guidance if there's not guidance and it could cause an issue it's hard for me to say that, I, that the, the benefit would outweigh the risk um
0: because it is it is um excreted 70 percent in the urine
1: yeah so, there's, so I personally i probably wouldn't mess with yeah. that for what you're going to get from it but yeah
0: for sure yeah So, um, to go into, uh, some of the other, you know, aspects of it, um, Cole was talking about adverse effects. So some others that were seen uh, were the increases in uric acid levels. Um, So hyperuricemia was definitely an issue um, for some patients in the study. Um, It it did in some patients raise the liver enzymes um, as well as uh, there were some case reports of atrial fibrillation as well. Um, There was some upper respiratory uh, issues like bronchitis, things like that, and um, the the other one was uh, there were some cases of anemia as well. So gout, um, because of the uric acid levels mm-hmm. going up, that, that was in some, for some patients enough to actually um, precipitate like their first gout flare. So definitely not like completely benign. but uh,
1: And the, the kind of the mechanism behind that is it inhibits renal tubular O2, which leads to the increase in blood uric acid levels.
0: So you're, getting, you're blocking that transporter, so you're getting more uric acid in the blood.
1: For those who had that occur, it usually occurred within the first four weeks of treatment, um, from when they started it, and persisted throughout treatment. So yeah, it's not like your body adjusts and right. gets used to it. So, so you kind of know early on whether that's going to be an issue.
0: Yeah, and I guess if you have a patient with a history of gout, hopefully they're on allopurinol or something. Yeah, because it's 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 dealing with uric acid, I guess reabsorption. So if if you're on allopurinol, you know, blocking xanthine oxidase, you're not going to get the uric acid production in the first place, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal, I wouldn't right. think. Um it's, it's those patients who are right on the edge and don't realize they are, that have a higher uric acid level that probably is the problem.
1: Right. Uh, there's also a low risk for tendon rupture, um, which is kind of odd, but it was uh, kind of more associated with the older patients, um, and it wasn't really a set time frame of when it could happen, um, but be aware that that could be a potential, especially in your elderly patients or patients who were doing maybe high impact physical sports or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: and the other one was the, uh, was gallstones. Yeah. Um, that was also one that was a higher rate than uh, the placebo arm. So I thought that was also kind of interesting. Um, so it's it's definitely not completely benign as far as side effects. Those there's yeah. definitely things to at least consider and, um, you know, at least be, be on the lookout for as time goes on but uh but definitely you know something that uh we'll go through the study but definitely still something i think is is going to be a potential treatment option
1: they do make a note of interactions with a couple of statins to be aware of dose limits that you want to use because it can increase the risk of the myopathy associated with that statin and that would be simvastatin greater than 20 milligrams or pravastatin greater than 40 milligrams. 40 milligrams Um, It does mention that there's also some elevation of atorvastatin and rosuvastatin. Um, They don't make any specific recommendations about that, but um, yeah, for somebody who's prone to... So you'll see in the study that um, the patients were either not taking a statin or they were considered to be on a very low dose of a tolerated statin. The study was intended for patients who could not tolerate statins. That was kind of like the point of it. Um, So in a patient who is on a low dose of a statin because that's all they could tolerate. And then you add this on, it's possible that it could increase the risk for it. So it wouldn't necessarily be the drug causing it, but the drug interaction that can mm-hmm. lead to it.
0: And I thought that was funny that they, uh, when they discuss tendon rupture from like the packaging or whatever, it basically says, um, that uh, if the patient has tendon, if tendon rupture occurs, discontinue
1: immediately. It's like, oh, (laughs) thanks.
0: Appreciate that. (laughs) Um, But it does say that it um, tends to, uh, it seems to occur more frequently in patients that are 60 years of age or older. And, um, uh, you know, if if they do experience like joint pain, swelling, inflammation of any kind, to probably consider at least discontinuing the drug to see if, you know, those might be patients that are more likely. Um, but it, even, like, the patients that had, you know, rhabdo and things like that, um, it, they're, they're actually in the supplemental data for the, the newest study that was published at um, the Clear Outcomes. The supplemental study was showing basically, like, a breakdown of, like, what was going on in the time when they had the issue and, and all that good stuff. So um, there's a there's been a – if you read through that, it's got a lot of good information as far as, like, one person started exercising again heavily, like, two weeks prior to mm-hmm. having the, the – Rabdo incident so
1: it's interesting um, i don't feel like they usually give anecdotes about how these side effects came to occur but maybe i just don't look deep enough into the appendices but i think that's helpful yeah for sure yeah. Um, but anyways so
0: um the this went through the drug drug interactions um it doesn't have to be administered with a meal or anything like that as so you can do it with or without food um i don't i haven't seen any other drug uh, interactions other than those two statins you mentioned um have you seen anything else i didn't see anything
1: up? else mentioned so, um, you know... The, First of the, all, the, the ones you'd run into the most.
0: And the price, I think, is going to be the other potential issue. Not that it's anything too crazy. I mean, they're not cheap either, but it's about 15... The AWP is about fifteen eighty four per tablet. Um, and so... It's something that, uh,
1: you know, it's not cheap. USD for our international listeners. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. And uh, so it's something that uh, it's more so on the insurance side of things. You know, are they going to actually pay for that, you know, unless they've done multiple other medications? You know, is is it going to be easy to get it covered? That's where I I don't have enough personal experience with that to, to really know. I don't
1: either. I mean, I would guess that they would be happy about this because this would be another thing they can do to Keep from paying for a PCSK9. That's true. So yeah. I'm I'm imagining that they would probably say statin as a divide, um, this since it has cardiovascular outcome data now, because you can't really justify fenofibrate in before PCSK9, but you might could justify this before they would add on a PCSK9 for additional LDL lowering or something. So yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I I bet it would end up on the on the for that reason.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what do you want us to do you want to jump into this case a little bit, or not the yeah. case, the uh, study?
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, so, Mike mentioned the name, the CLEAR outcome study. There were multiple other studies under the CLEAR umbrella, um, CLEAR Wisdom, and CLEAR. One other one, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but those were the kind of the studies that ended up getting it approved. Um, CLEAR Wisdom was primarily related to just its LDL lowering when added on to a maximally tolerated statin, um, and showing that it could lower LDL uh, got it approved back in like 2020 or something like that.
0: The, the one I think you were talking about with is the, the study that looked at, um, acid plus azetamide. There was that one. And that was called the zero five, three trial. What a stupid, <laughs> name.
1: stupid name. There was one other clear one and it had a weird, I'll look it up later, but it had a weird name. Um, I, I can't even guess what it was, but it was, it was a strange name. Um, but yeah, that's what got it approved back in 2020. And then this is their cardiovascular outcomes, uh, study. So the, um, They state in the objective that the purpose was to see the effect of bimidoic acid on cardiovascular outcomes in high-risk patients with a statin intolerance. So the point of this was to say, okay, we're going to try to market this to patients who can't take a statin, because they knew that this was not going to um, compete with statins. And they, I don't know, they might have known that it might not have been able to totally compete with Zetia, which is, has... The data related to adding on to a maximally tolerated statin. So it kind of feels like they tried to get themselves into a bit of a niche by saying, hey, statin intolerance, we don't really have great data with um, Zetia monotherapy. So here's some bibidoic acid data as monotherapy. Um, Yeah, but as we'll see, there still were patients on statins, but the point was for it to kind of be patients with a statin intolerance.
0: Yeah, which, yeah, it's weird that they mention it or they word it like that. Because I guess, because what they mean by intolerance in this case is like, Intoler- to- intolerance to the max to so like a high intensity the high yeah the high intensity but there was definitely patients on lower yes. intensity
1: so well, well we'll talk about yeah it, but yeah
0: so basically the primary uh, measure they were looking for was a composite cardiovascular death non fatal MI uh, non fatal stroke and coronary revascularization um, they were then they were looking at those uh, outcomes individually as secondary measures. They were also uh, looking at like um, total MI for and then you know fatal MI uh, or non-fatal MI by itself. So um, lots of different secondary outcomes that they looked at. Um, Patients uh, on average were around 66 years old. Um, It had almost even male female um, patients included, which is kind of interesting. A little bit more male, 52% males, Um, and then patients had uh, the the patients that had established cardiovascular disease made up about 70% of the. Participants and then the other thirty percent were just patients that met the um, the high risk for a primary event. Uh, their total cholesterol was um, on average around two twenty three, and their LDL one thirty nine on average. Um, and then the Baseline statin use was around 23%, 12% with zetamide, um, 5% with the fibrate, and then 0.6% with a PCSK9 inhibitor.
1: Yes, which they didn't state. That was not easy to find in the study. You had to go to the supplemental appendix to find um, how many people were on these. Because I was thinking, PCSK9 inhibitor, man, if they're adding this on, and they're also on a PCSK9 inhibitor, I feel like that could skew the results depending on how many were in what... Arm, um, but it only ended up being like 35 in the bemidoic acid arm was on a PCS PCSK9, and then 50 in the placebo arm were in a PCSK9. So not a whole lot. But um, as far as inclusion, it could go up to 85 years old, 18 to 85. They needed a prior cardiovascular event or high risk for experiencing one. Um, and then part of their inclusion criteria was unwilling or unable to tolerate statin therapy at recommended doses. Um, so, yeah, basically, they couldn't tolerate a high intensity if they're indicated for that, or medium, or whatever they're indicated for. But if they were able to tolerate a lower than recommended dose of statin therapy, they could stay on it. They could stay on it. And yeah. so that's why there were about 22, 23% in each arm that were on a relatively low dose of statin therapy. The rest of them, no statins. And so you would consider this, I mean, there was a fair amount that was monotherapy, really, where they weren't on any other lipid lowering therapy. Um, so, it, this is, I mean, you could almost call this some. Almost call this monotherapy data, not quite, but like almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned the LDLs being on average 139. It had to be at least over a hundred, yeah. while taking uh, stable and optimized lipid lowering therapy. Um, which I don't fully understand that because some of them weren't taking anything. So I don't yeah, know. yeah.
0: I guess I guess to show that even though they are on something, it's, they're still not where we would consider them. I guess. At goal LDL, right. or, but
1: then not or, everybody was taking something. Yeah, so,
0: I don't, so I don't. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it is a weird. That is kind of weird, but not quite though. Um, it, they excluded patients that had a fasting triglyceride level above 500. Um, they did exclude patients who had an EGFR below 30 um, or patients that had pretty severe symptomatic heart failure. So, that but basically, the classification of uh, New York Heart Association class four patients were excluded. Um, uncontrolled hypertension and um, patients with liver disease or dysfunction yeah. were also excluded. Um, I should also mention too, uh, if if you want a really really good summary of this, um, check out our friends over at High Powered Medicine. Um, you can go to highpoweredmedicine.com. It's twenty dollars basically for to sign up for a year, and they have a database of a ton of landmark trials, and they have a, a book as well both hard copy and an ebook. Um so I I've, I've talked to them several times through social media and stuff but uh good uh good guy that started the company pharmacist and um yeah, you know I really like his summaries. So that's actually what uh, we use to kind of prep for this as well. So yeah. as as opposed to our, well you have the actual study in front of us but his summary is spot on. Yeah. It's so it's got uh, all the good info. Make sure you check that out. Highpoweredmedicine.com. Um
1: so as far as the methods go, it went with this one. The patients, um, I think this they started enrolling in like 2016 and finished enrolling in 2019. And then they started. Um, they underwent a, a four-week run-in period to assess adherence. Um, those that successfully completed that were randomized to receive 180 milligrams of bimidoic acid or placebo. Um, and then, of course, they could use their other lipid-lowering therapies. And then they followed them for three and a half years. Um, so it really just ended... I don't know, less than a year ago, maybe a year ago. And I guess they put in, all put it all together and released it. Um, there were a total of 13,970 patients. I think I saw that that was between like 1250 sites and like 30 countries, you know, so it was pretty massive. Um, I and mean, that's how these LDL trials are. It's not the biggest one we've seen, but um still pretty significant. Yeah, good
0: number of patients and it's multi, you know, national and stuff. Yes. Multinational, Very multi-center.
1: Helpful. Um, but the average difference in LDL between treatment groups over the whole trial was about 22 milligrams per deciliter in favor of the bimbidoic acid. So not groundbreaking amount of, um, decrease. So if you consider that the average was 139, you decrease by 22 milligrams per deciliter, you know, it's not quite a high intensity statin, but it's, it's a decrease. Um, but the main thing that they were out to find was is it going to decrease cardiovascular events it did um, significantly lower the primary composite of the uh, and the first three secondary outcomes um, were statistically significantly different Mm. versus placebo right
0: yeah so um, the 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 thing that's interesting I guess is like that they did that primary composite that they showed you know being statistically significant um, which didn't I don't know if you said it but the number needed to treat for the primary composite was sixty four didn't say that yeah um, and so if you look at kind of like what was driving that it it seems to be because the, the composite of cardiovascular death, non-fatal MI, non-fatal stroke was also significant with a number needed to treat of 79. And then when you look at fatal and non-fatal MI, um, that was significant still with a number needed to treat of 95. Um, but when you look at the uh, fatal and non-fatal stroke, it mm-hmm. wasn't statistically significant. And neither was cardiovascular death or all-cause mortality. Right. Um, coronary revascularization was uh, with a number needed to treat of 74. But it seems to be that revascularization and, and MIS were whether it be fatal or non fatal were driving the primary composite, I guess. Right.
1: Which means that that combo of fatal and non fatal MI, which it was a combo, was the really the only mortality benefit that we have. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say though, just to play devil's advocate, I, I'm wondering. I, I'm, you know, when we think of, like, other studies that have looked at add-on therapy to statins, so, like, the IMPROVE-IT trial with ZMI being added on Simvastatin, um, I think that was initially scheduled to be five five-year study, um, I believe, four or five years, something like that. And then when they got to that, were no statistical significance, so they just kept going with it. And I think it took seven years to actually show a statistical difference. Yeah. So I'm wondering, it's like— It's true,
1: three and a half years. If
0: you let this go longer, would yeah. you
1: reach statistical significance? And I'm, I'm sure that they probably— Probably would. We'll keep track of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for what they can and have some yeah. after, you know, study data. But. but at least
0: in the primary composite, you know, is still at least, if nothing yes. else, was was uh, statistically significant, like you said.
1: No, so when we compare it to other non-statin lipid-lowering therapies that we've messed with over the years. Phenofibrate notably. Adding fenofibrate to statin. Yeah, they, um, you never get the, those outcomes. Other fish oils other than what we have in the Casapenethyl. Um, so, yeah, no, this is this is good. It's, yeah. it's not bad. It's no, not no, going to be sure. like, it's not taking over statins. Or it's not better than PCSK9s, but it's good. Um, so the reason, what I was thinking of with the muscle-related adverse events, even though there were some, they were similar between groups. So yeah. there wasn't a statistical significance right, right. with muscle-related adverse events with um, placebo. Um, but, yeah, so, and you were looking at, back at the trial with Zedia Mm-hmm. To kind of see what its breakdown of data was like, right? As far as whether it had some more mortality benefit compared well, to this.
0: So I was just looking at uh, you, you to the, the the study with acid plus azetamide, or just the improve it trial. The improve it trial. Yeah, I mean the, the I just was glancing at the. Uh, you know some of the 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 outcome data, I guess that was presented in that. But the big thing I was looking for was the the timing, because yeah. um, I I remembered it took they had to extend the trial. I was making sure it was seven years. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, you know, as, as far as improve it goes, like they and again they had to get it took seven years to actually show this. But um, when you add Zedia to it, you know, it did have a statistically significant you know drop in um, cardiovascular. Mortality specifically. Um, so i I think they. Uh, let, me, let me double check myself real quick. Um, no, I take that back. It was. It was the. It was still a composite. So okay. I, erase that. I don't, yeah. I'm I almost lied to everyone. So I mean, it was a composite. that was a secondary outcome. but It was still a composite.
1: I see them as being kind of similar. I don't know. I think the um, the getting benefit in half the time is good, mm-hmm. and getting showing that we have benefit even when you're not taking a maximally tolerated statin um what was improving comparing to
0: it was it was the Vitorin like group so it was simvastatin oh, yeah. plus so that's the other thing with improve it was simvastatin added with azitamine added so would we have even seen the same results if we had done you know torva, especially a 40 or 80 milligram of torva with azitamine mm-hmm. would there even i mean would it would have taken 15 years to show a significant you know yeah. who knows um because simvastatin is definitely not one that I typically jump to as far as an evidence-based statin. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things that uh, it's it, we don't we have a lot of questions anyway with improve it, but it looks like because they kind of left it open to either they didn't have a statin at all or at least a you know most likely not their you know goal statin that they should be on like a low dose statin um, or a lower dose I should say, um, but uh, you got the results quicker. So I mean, in a way, I think you could almost make an argument for. There's better, you know. I know it's you can't compare them directly, but I feel like it's better almost to, a little to more see, compelling. Yeah, a little bit more compelling data to add this to a statin versus a zetamine.
1: Add this to a statin, or if they're statin intolerant, we definitely have better info here. Yeah, than we do with zetia.
0: That's definitely the group that I feel like would be a no-brainer at least if 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 PCSK9 inhibitors are gonna out, say. Um, which a lot of patients either can't get access to them because of cost or they right. don't want to do an injection or whatever um you know the, the cost is usually a big thing right and so i feel like this would definitely be something that would be so i would still want cell. a pcs
1: 9 if they're indicated for it and if they don't you know they don't tolerate statin but if that is not an option then this puts another tool in our toolbox as it were right i think
0: and and with it being in combination with azetamide as well yep. um then, if you have, oh, a patient, have a little cash there, yeah, you get cover. if you have a patient who does need a statin and maybe needs, needs a Zetamib and then doesn't, you know, doesn't want to do a PCSK9 as their third drug, this would definitely be something you could add on, and maybe even use the combo it might decrease pill burden. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one for
1: sure. Yeah, nothing like ground shattering, but definitely positive data.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, as far as like like you mentioned all the other, like the niacins and the, the fibrates and stuff. I mean, it's one of those things that's like, we haven't really had hardly anything other than statins and PCSK9 inhibitors and the, some, some okay data with azetamide. We haven't really had anything else that showed outcome right. data. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that's the big, my big takeaway is that at least now we have another potential option. Yep. So I think, uh, like Cole said, if it's a statin intolerant patient, you know, still PCSK9 inhibitor probably would be a good option first line, but if that's you know, patient doesn't want to go that route, then this would be my next go-to probably.
1: Yeah. And I, and interestingly, if you offered the two, I bet a lot, I mean, a lot of patients would choose the oral thing. Oh yeah. So you have to caveat it with effectiveness as well. That yeah. The injectable is obviously more effective, but Interesting.
0: Uh, yeah and there was I think initially some concern with like blood glucose in um, glucose intolerance um, that was developing but they I think that this in the study uh, the outcome study they basically showed that it was similar reduction yes. or similar you know, incidence of type 2 diabetes yes. uh, occurring so in they both checked groups. for
1: they did monitor for progression to type 2 diabetes and that was not statistically significant which you can imagine why they might be concerned about it because there's obviously that concern with statins. And this has a, you know, similar ish mechanism of action.
0: Yeah. So, so definitely, uh, definitely an interesting one. I think uh, I'm I'm excited we just have something else. Like I said, yeah. you know, I think that's the big takeaway is you we're, know, we finally got something else and we can have some data to back it up. We're being positive tonight. But yeah, we're just really half full <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, reading the study. Yeah. Um but yeah, so definitely check it out. New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, it was published on March fourth. So I don't know if that one in particular, if you have to have a, sometimes New England Journal does like free articles. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I was
1: signed in when I accessed. I was too. So Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, you but can at least find some you find, summaries. of yeah. uh, the American Academy of uh, or the uh, American College of Cardiology has a summary out that you can see. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: Or I mean, you can also spend twenty dollars and sign up for yes. our buddy's uh, um, website, and
1: there and you get go. Get lots of other
0: things. Get lots of other uh, summaries if you don't want to have access to the full article. But uh, but yeah, definitely check that out. Um, anything else with this in particular? I'm sure we'll have more at a later date as more stuff comes out.
1: I'm sure that's but, all I got though. But, yeah,
0: next Littal, next being the combo. Um, definitely check it out on your own and see what you think. Um, if you have some thoughts about it, we'd also like to hear those. And uh, if you think it's the worst drug ever, we'd want to hear why. <laughs> we would like to hear some different points of view for sure. This drug
1: killed my grandma.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope not already. Jeez. for It's... it's, it's I don't, I can't imagine if they had a huge increase in uh, use in the market already, but maybe, I don't know, I haven't looked. Um, but yeah, so um, definitely let us know your thoughts if you feel like sharing and um, if you have any other stuff you want to contact us about you can reach us on the social media platforms you can reach us on um at our emails it'll be in the show notes Uh, you can text us at the number that's in the show notes and uh we will do our best to get back to you as quick as we can um if we don't get back to you right away or you know please don't or you can feel free to hit us up again if we don't respond Um, but please don't take that personally Uh, we're we're trying our best out here until we can afford uh Somebody that can answer our emails for us. Yeah, an assistant. An assistant, yeah, that'd be great. Other than AJ. Other than AJ, who, yeah, is super busy himself. So, um, but, you know, I know this is a shorter episode, but I hope that was somewhat useful. And um, I will catch you guys on the next one. Have a good night.